of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. My guest today is a very respected sculptor. So accomplished is his work that pieces have been displayed at the Louvre in Paris. He's an American film producer. He's a director, television actor. Maybe you saw him in My Three Sons, Murder, She Wrote, Mod Squad, Adam 12, Knight Rider, Love American Style, and General Hospital. He first appeared in front of a camera when he was four for the NBC Children's Theater. But... You probably know him most through 234 episodes that he co-starred in from 1957 to 1963 as Wally on Leave it to Beaver. Tony Dow is my guest this afternoon on Lincoln Live. Tony, welcome in. Thanks for hey, spending... Hey, thanks, Bill. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. So thanks for good. spending time with me here. My favorite uncle was a, a, a very successful architect by day in Los Angeles and a frustrated artist by night until one day when he retired in Salt Lake City... Uh, set the T-square up in the corner and tossed the easel and started concentrating full-time on crafts, his craft. And, you know, I've never seen him happier in my life. And and that's where I wanted to start, by learning what does sculpting do for you that acting couldn't. Uh, gets rid of the gets rid of the producers <laughs> and the whole, uh, the studio and all the, uh, all the people that have to make decisions about stuff. You know, it's a... Uh, <clears throat> I can get up and go out in my workshop and uh, do whatever I want, you know. And the television business or film business is a difficult business, you know. I mean, and it's getting harder all the time. Um, and uh, and I'm not sure why, because there's so many more projects. But I think what's happened is the film schools have uh, turned out so many really talented young people that there's plenty of people to uh, direct and act and you know, whatever. So it's it's a lot more competitive. But, you know, I don't have to worry about that stuff. I watched the tour of your studio on the Internet, and I noticed how low-tech much of your process is. And you're coming from a world of high-tech movies and television and, and yeah. uh, productions, and you're, you're now in a low-tech world. Well, uh, that's just fine with me. <laughs> with me. The, the high-tech stuff doesn't... Uh, it, I have trouble with it. I'm, I know that I started on computers in the 80s, early 80s, which is real early on. And uh, somewhere along there in the in the 90s or, or so, I was pretty good on the on the computer. And I did you know all the script writing and the scheduling and the uh, kept uh, I kept a lot of files. And I, I I could even work FileMaker, which is a sort of a complicated program. So. <clears throat> It was great, but then as you move up and the computers, uh, the operating systems get bigger and bigger, or better and better, they say, uh, then the old programs don't work. So then you gotta learn new programs. And then it's, you know, and so it just, it, it, uh, it became very difficult. And I, I have, I have a problem now with all <laughs> the technology, you know, and I'm lucky if I can get the computer to do anything anymore. Well, you don't really need a computer to to do what you do, do you? No, no, not at all. No, no. All, all you need it for is just some com communication and uh, maybe the internet occasionally. And then, of course, I do 
finances and all that kind of stuff on the on the computer, but and keep records of the you know the pieces and the sales and that stuff. But no, I think you know you say it's a low tech world. I'm not sure that that uh, my world of woodworking is any more high tech than I have. You know, I mean it's it hasn't changed much in the last. Uh, Hundred years, really, except the, the power tools have gotten more sophisticated and operate better. But uh, you know, I have probably <clears throat> half dozen kind of sanders that uh, most people don't have or have never seen. So, you know, I, I'm, I try to keep up with the tool world. Well, you also have files and saws that look like something my grandpa brought over on the boat. I mean, they're 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 old, but they they're functional. Yeah, well, actually, the older tools are better um, if you keep them sharp, and um, you know the planes and things like that are really good. I have, I have a, a file that I bought. Jeez, um, it must have been in the 80s, 70s, maybe even, and it was 40 bucks at the time, and which was hugely expensive because all the rest of the files were like eight dollars or something. And uh, that's been the best tool I've, I've I've ever had. So if you get the if you get a good tool, I have one file that's over a hundred dollars. It comes from France, and um, you know if you get good tools, you get good production out of them. Your pieces fetch thousands of dollars from collectors. Uh, much of your work is made from well, gnarly looking wood known as burl. Describe for listeners your pieces. Uh oh. I don't know if I can do that, but <clears throat> basically they start out as, um, and it's not really burlwood. Burlwood is the wood that, that comes from the limb and the trunk of a tree, so it, it, it's a big knob on the on a limb, I think. Th- this is the the wood between the trunk and the root. So there's a, it's a big root ball um, in there usually, and um, the only reason I call it burlwood is I forget what the name of the the actual name of this part of the tree is, but nobody's ever heard of it, and it sounded kind of ugly. So, so most people understand burlwood because that's what it looks like when it comes out. It's sort of a real hard wood, and it uh, has wonderful grain patterns, and uh, it's it's very natural. So, <clears throat> start with that, and then um, you know I end up doing figurative kinds of. Uh, abstract pieces. I mean, I do a lot of different things. Um, you know, I have a, I have a new series out that's got, um, that I call artifacts that uh, look like they've, um, they're a crossover between the ancient and, uh, and high tech. They, they have a lot of real complicated electronic parts in them, but they look like old temples that came out of the ocean that have been there for years. And, uh, so those are kind of cool, um, and um, I'm doing a piece now, which is a commission, which uh, actually doesn't have any burlwood in it at all. I start out with sculpture foam, and and that's a little more difficult for me. But I, I really love working with the wood. It's uh, it's such an amazing material, and it can take you so many different places. Mother Nature really has mastered contrast, and I get the sense that's your tendency too. You know, contrast in color, contrast in shapes. Yeah, I mean, I think that contrast is one of the is one of the main things that you try to work for, or I try to work for in art. I think it's one of the most important uh, important elements: shape and contrast. So um, that's basically kind of what I'm what I work with. 
I remember my uncle. I was a frustrated artist. I did uh, pencil drawings when I was a kid, and, and he would always uh, he would always look for for contrast. In other words, I'd see him do a wood, maybe go through a phase where he was using wood, and then he wouldn't have anything to do with wood. Then it was paper mache, and then he didn't want to have anything to do with sculpting. Then he got into drawing. So it was these these swings of uh, artistic materials back and forth. Do you have that swing, or do you stick with your wood sculpting? Well, I uh, like I just mentioned, I have uh, I have this new series that's basically, you know, they, they end up looking like they're bronze pieces that... Uh, Somebody dug out of the ocean or the earth or whatever, but they have uh, the, the cool thing about them is they have this real natural kind of a look, the bronze look, and they have kind of a natural feel to it and a real familiar shape. They're kind of, I mean, go on the website and see them. It's really hard to <laughs> explain stuff, but anyway. Um, and then they have um, they have all this high tech stuff that's implanted in them. So uh, you know that's the kind of contrast that. Uh, that I enjoy, and I and, and with the natural wood, it's it's great because I can spend um, you know hours finishing one side of the piece, or you know one side of one of the elements of the piece, and leave the other side fairly natural, and that's that's a contrast that I really enjoy. So you know I don't I don't change so much from uh, sculpture. Sculpture is is about my main thing. I've, I've just done a bunch of wall hanging things that. That are sort of interesting. They're assemblages, I guess you'd call them, but they're again they're contrast. They're you know if you drew a line across a canvas, up above they're very kind of simplistic in form and shape, and then the the bottom third of them is all sorts of metals and again high tech computer chips and um, springs and you know all, all sorts of stuff like that. So. That becomes a contrast to the, the top top of the piece. So, um, but that's about as far as I go away from sculpting. What's the website? Uh, TonyDowSculpture.com. That's easy. TonyDowSculpture.com. Yep. yep. Uh, how does being uh, the Beeves Big Brother help your sculpting career, or, or does it get in the way? I, th I I don't know. You know, I think it gets in the way. I mean. Um, well, for, first of all, let me clear up one of the things that you mentioned earlier. That the, the Louvre thing was just a sensational opportunity, and it was fabulous. But everybody uh, sort of makes it sound like I was in the Louvre, you know, next to uh, the Mona Lisa or something. I, I was in an international show that was in a gallery part of the, the Louvre. It's a show that's there uh, every year, and it's um, artists from all around the world participate. And... Um, Unbeknownst to me, my the, the, the gallery I was with <coughs> sent in some photographs, and one of my pieces was picked. So that's kind of how it happened. But you know, it it was in a it was only there for a week, and it was sort of um, you know out of the way. It was downstairs, and but it still was a Louvre, and it still uh, the thing that I was so proud about was that nobody in France knew you know anything about my celebrity or who the hell I was. So that's always. Um, that's always rewarding to know that it doesn't have anything to do with, um, you know, the celebrity in the past. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's. I think a lot of times people <clears throat> people don't um, 
don't think of you as a real artist. They think of you as a as a hobby artist because they think of you as something else, you know. So I, I, I don't know if it helps or hurts. I know it helps getting people into a gallery if you have a show. But those people aren't interested in buying things. You know, they're they're mainly interested in schmoozing and talking and well, you know, which I'm happy to do. But um it's a it's a strange business and art right now is really difficult. I mean all the galleries I know of are you know, really having a lot of trouble and with the economy the way it is, art is one of the first things that goes. I think they they change their art for a loaf of bread. Not as much disposable income these days. Absolutely. Yeah. Tony Dow, my guest on Lincoln Live today, we got a lot more to talk about here, more about his sculpting and, of course, uh, his years on Leave it to Beaver. We're going to do that when we continue Lincoln Live in a moment. 